All right. Good morning, everybody. What a beautiful day. We, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere we go. I just want to just take a moment, and I want to thank Stacey Rodriguez, where she's way in the back. She's always moving. So if you're wondering where Stacey, try to take a picture of her at the blur, because she's always moving around. And I want to thank her and the team that decorated uh, last Monday. Can we give them a hand? Thank you. Looks great. Looks great. So... Uh, yeah, now you're like got the pressure on for your own house. Like, how do I got to step up and do that? Well, it is a great time to, to gather. It's always a great time, you know, throughout the year, but Christmas is a special season. I mean, it's, it's, it's baked in, right? Christ must, like Jesus. I mean, how much more do we make it obvious? But we sometimes it's not so obvious, isn't it? So we're glad you're taking time. This season as well is online with us. And, and yeah, there's stuff happening here in person each week. Uh, I hope, I, I mean, there's a ton of donuts back there. So please, out of just my own cholesterol level, please take some with you. Uh, that would be great. Some hot, whatever hot back there you want to grab on the way out. Take some time. I want to, just what Jake mentioned, I think it's really good to begin to, and we're going to do some time of prayer here at the end about the Christmas season, but this is a, this is a great thing to be praying over. I've seen, Lord, who do you have this holiday season that I can reach out to, not just to get them to church, but reach out in relationship to invite them a part of Christ of Christmas. And so who are you going to encounter this next few weeks? The, God can put that in your heart. Uh, to give an invitation to. Well, another little kind of housekeeping thing, I guess we call this, one of the things that we'll be communicating here at the end of, well, Christmas Day, in fact, if Christmas Eve is on a Saturday, Christmas Day is on a Sunday, guess what? We won't be here on Christmas Day. I know that's weird, not having church on Christmas Day, but it is a Sunday, we'll have a big celebration, Christmas Eve and our two services, but we will do again as a CTK special. And so it's an online experience that all the different campuses are going to be putting this together, collaborating together with. And one of the pieces that we're doing is we're actually doing different, different greetings from the various campuses that are going to be part of the video. And so this, at this moment here, you're going to participate in something that I'm going to attempt to record. And I don't know if you have kids that cringe at you trying to do a selfie or whatever. So I, my kids maybe will see this, but you're not my kids, so it's okay. We can figure this out. Just how I hold the camera, I'm sure I won't get it right. But I'm going to do best. But what, I'm going to need your help, though. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little selfie video and you guys will somewhat be in it, you know, kind of panning the audience. But the big thing I want you to do is, is to cheer really, really loud, okay? Can you do that? Can you? In fact, I think what we could do, even stepping up, because I don't know what my other friends will be doing. I don't know. I think we can go even step further. Is to, Once I say, uh, Merry, I'll say this, I'll say, Merry Christmas from CTK North Bay. Let me try it again. <laughs> I, I was forgetting what church I'm at. I would say, I would say, Merry Christmas from CTK North Bay. And as soon as I do that, you're going to stand and you're going to cheer as loud as you can. Can you do that? Okay. I hope you can get this in the first take. You ready? Okay, here we go. So quiet. Here's... Boy, okay. Lights, I'm trying to work this out. Okay. Merry Christmas from CTK North Bay. 
Okay, I got it. I think. I think. It was a blur. This is my kids. Hopefully, you won't see that. All right. Well, great. We are just super excited about Christmas. It's always fun. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, well, I don't, I'm not going to have you raise hands. Did you get your you know, tree up? Did you, you know, buy anything? But I, I, my wife and I were just going to brag. We, we got it all done already. We did it. Our, our whole house is decorated. Our, our tree, you know, everything's up. Um, we went shopping the other day, and according to her list, we, we, we got everything that we're supposed to get for whoever we're supposed to buy for, and so that's pretty awesome, and so good for us, right? Uh, good job, and, and part of it is our son's getting married at the end of the, the holiday season. It's crazy. We're just kind of front-loading what we need to do, and what I love about Christmas, though, is it is the aesthetics. I love the beauty of the lights, and especially on 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 the mornings when I get up early and my coffee's brewing, I turn the tree on and we get a little mantle with the manger and all this and, and just sitting there in the quietness and the coziness and the, got the blanket and I got the fire going and when I flip the fire on, I don't make it, I just get it going and I, and I just spend some time, it's just comfy and it's cozy. How many like that? You like that? I love that. It's a beautiful time of year. Because, it, it, you know, comfy and cozy as we go after, it's not always... It's not always comfy and cozy out there, right? We got to go back out there sometimes. Maybe you've done some shopping or things show up at your door, but you, you, you know what it feels like. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't find Costco very comfy or cozy. I'm just saying, especially the parking lot. And if you're Canadian, we, we welcome you because it, it's great to have you. You're warm and friendly people, just not at Costco you are. That's what you find. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Um, we, it's crowded, right? It's busy. But it, it, you know, it's the hacticness of the holidays. But let's admit, though, honestly, though, Christmas, it, it, it comes with a, a bit of baggage. It's, it's, you, you just survived Thanksgiving, and you had to be with those people, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to be with those people again in a few weeks, right? And, and I've heard that. Like, Thanksgiving for a lot of people was a little rough, and, and just the holidays. And so we, there's, some, there's not always some calmness. There's not always this peacefulness. I mean, we sing. We'll sing it. We'll sing silent night, holy night. All is calm. All is bright. Will it be calm? I don't know. Here's the interesting thing about the first Christmas. It might have been bright with the star, but it wasn't, it wasn't very calm. It was actually very, very disruptive. And so as much as you like and I like cozy and comfy Christmas, the first Christmas wasn't that way at all and so but there was an encounter and in this series that we're doing here and we're joining with other ctk churches across our network in this christmas series encounter we're hoping that people will encounter his presence the presence of god this christmas season but it, it didn't always come very in a comfy cozy way and encountering god was actually pretty crazy it was pretty disruptive and so this morning as we dive into this, this series that we're doing, it's interesting that God coming in his, his very self. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a stand-up double. He didn't have anybody else that was coming. He came, manual God with us, and it was disruptive. But it's interesting in how he came, not only as a baby that we'll be looking at of, of the advent, but who he came to and who he revealed himself to. 
So it's interesting, if you look at the Christmas story, in fact, if you look at the very beginning of the story in Scripture, what you find is the people that are on your mantle, your manger, are not the people that we're going to talk about today, but they were the first ones to be there. They were the the ones that first heard about it, specifically one man, one humble priest that we're going to look at here today. Now, that led up to this, there was nothing for a while. In fact, 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, 400 years of silence. Can you imagine? Some of you, that's a long wait for hoping something will change. Some of you spent 40 minutes waiting at the border to get to Canada. 400 years. Now, let's be honest. When those are times like that, the silent years, maybe you experienced some silent years in your life. God, God, where are you? You seem distant. If you ever felt that way or thought that way, maybe you're in a, even a season right now, you're in a season of maybe waiting. The Christmas story really is for you and I, if you feel that way. Four centuries of silence. It's finally broken by one man. This morning we're going to turn where Luke, the Gospel of Luke, is the one that first cracks the story. He's the first one that breaks the silence. And what he writes in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5, it says this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there will be the, the, this, this, this Herod, which ends up being the famous Herod, the great, that we're going to look at here in a few weeks, is there was a priest named Zechariah. And actually, it's interesting, Zechariah, his name means God remembers or the Lord remembers. And that's going to matter here in a moment here in his, his story that we're going to look at. It's here, this, after four centuries, this forgottenness of what was going to happen now was going to take place and be fulfilled. It says this, who belonging to the priestly division of Agenai, his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Those details matter. They came, this, this couple, they came from a priestly family, okay? They, they were church people. I mean, not only that, they're PKs. They're, they're priest kids. They, they, they've been around, they, they're part of this heritage that, was, that made up the spiritual community of the Hebrew people. And it was, very much a, it was very much a minority back then. Even if we think of Israel and you think of everybody was Jewish back then. No, not everybody was. In fact, that was slipping even farther and farther. Uh, but yet, what this group of people this priestly group of people were dedicated toward the temple of God. They were there day in, day out. In fact, daily things were done in the temple to follow the, the Hebrew Jewish calendar. And they were clinging, they were hoping on that one day what would happen? That the Messiah would come, the Christ, which means the anointed one, would come and be their leader. And they were hoping in some ways, and even we, we looking further in the gospel, they were hoping that that Messiah would come and be king and kick out the Romans and rule and reign. Well, it happened a little bit different, as we know, if you know the rest of the story. But 400 years come and go a silence. And, and even up until that point, history tells us during this time, of the, the life of Zechariah, even as a young boy, this, this possibly, he might have even known this happening, was that the Roman Empire had come and dominated the Hebrew people. And in 65 BC, 
the Roman military political leader Pompey, they laid siege on Jerusalem. And they came in, and Pompey himself comes into the, the temple. He walks through it all and goes to the Holy of Holies. And he basically desecrates the temple. And he walks away. And the Hebrew people are shocked because, I mean, if you enter the Holy of Holies in an unworthy manner, you could be struck dead by God. He walks away scot-free. Not har any harm to him. And, they, and there's, there's really, history tells us that the, the Jewish faith began to slip. The fear of the Roman Empire was encroaching the people. And yet there was a, still a small group of people that were left and so Zechariah and, and Elizabeth as children, and they might even remember or had grandma and grandpa tell stories of all this taking place. But here is this faithful couple, this remnant that they're connected to, that God uses them. In fact, Zechariah, his name, the Lord remembers that God hasn't forgotten them, that God has a plan. And, and it's through this faithfulness of this humble couple that the Lord reveals the Christmas Story, the beginnings of the very story that we embrace today. I'll tell you, when we get to this moment, we're going to find that it wasn't very cozy, it wasn't very comfy, but it was very disruptive. Look at verse, in verse 5, it says this. Luke affirms the faithfulness of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It says, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They're faithful. They're obedient. They're blameless, meaning they didn't have it perfect, but they had the right heart approaching. Look at verse 7. It says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, back in the day, barrenness was not just a, a disappointment for even heartbreaking. It was, it was considered even a curse, that God was looking down upon you because you're not having children. So that was, that was something that they probably had to struggle through, and yet this couple ends up, God it begins to use actually do something pretty amazing but some of you can relate with that maybe you haven't struggled to have a, a child but you've had other struggles you had burdens to carry you wanting something to take place that hasn't taken place and you might even feel like them like you've been faithful lord i've been i'm trusting you god i know you have a plan and a future but i'm struggling through this elizabeth and zechariah could relate with that Probably for years. And yet, 400 years of silence is, is about to be broken. Look at verse 8. It says, Once when Zechariah's division on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all assembled worshipers were praying outside. What was happening is, all the priests of that day were 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 a part of this and so there was many of them in fact it's hard to know but history books say that maybe between this time between 8,000 and 18,000 that's a broad number of priests and so it was Zechariah's turn it was like winning the lottery right to be able to have the opportunity it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that he got to go and do this task this beautiful thing to go into the temple on top of that he it would be a once and one only moment that would happen just for him, that God would use him. It was pretty disruptive what happened, though. Look at verse 11. It says this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now, I always find every single time, I, maybe there are moments you can look back at Scripture, maybe it's not true, but I, when I look at every single time that an angel appears before somebody, they're in fear, aren't they? <laughs> they're freaking out. You know, we look at angels and we see little chubby baby angels or whatever. No, they're Bible angels were warriors, right? They're, and all of, them, all of them always say, do not fear. Why? Because they're trepidating and fear that's happening. Here's Zechariah. like, he's just doing his duty. I mean, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He's been training for it and preparing for it. And maybe there's like even like a, a, like a practice temple thing that they do, like to get it right and everything. And he's like, now this is his opportunity. I mean, he doesn't expect it, that he has this visitation. Very disruptive moment probably for him but look what it says your prayer has been heard what a great assurance from God do you ever wonder sometimes you know you you know you you know this when you send text messages to people and you they leave you on red don't raise your hand if you're that person by the way help us out please can you do a thumbs up please something but we know you got it because it'll say receive you did get my text message. I think sometimes we feel like almost God leaves us unread, doesn't he, sometimes? Like, God, where are you? Come on. You got it. What are you going to do? And this is this, is this prayer, this, the praying that your prayer would be, what was the prayer? It was the prayer that him and his wife, that, that they've been praying for decades. This is what the angel says to him. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. Now, the name John in Hebrew is Johan, which means, means favorite. So if your name is John, John, you're back there. Anybody else named John? You're the favorite. It's just good for you. Good for you. You are the favorite. You, you knew that already. But um, it's hard to compete with that. But that's the name of it. And it, it, it plays in here. There, the, the angel says, that the, there's this promised child. He says this, you will be a he will be a joy and delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, and, and he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or offer fermented drink, which is a vow of a Nazarite, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. You know, the Bible says in Psalms, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. John, man, pretty special baby coming. Says as he, this is what he'll do. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Now bring back what was going on there. We'll bring back. Remember, all that happened just in the recent history that was taking place, many people were falling away. I mean, 400 years plus all that was going on in the Romans, there's, they were losing ground. And here, John, this would be the forerunner of Jesus to come, had a job to do. In fact, he declared it later on in his life, in his ministry. He says, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. John the Baptist. And you wonder, how did John become John the Baptist? It's kind of interesting history with John is that many believe that he was part of the Essenes in the community area called Qumran, which is, is up just, and I've been, I've been in this location, it's just right up near the Dead Sea, and if you've heard the name Qumran, there's, there's different caves in there. And that's actually where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. So when you go there, you can actually see which place 
A young boy actually found the Dead Sea Scrolls, but this group of this community were called the Essenes. And they would go, and it was a desert community that dedicated themselves to the Lord, and they were really big at uh, ritual cleansing. And so you go there, you have artifactual locations of all these pools, and they're called mikvahs. That's where they would basically cleanse themselves over and over again to be clean before the Lord, okay? You've, I think there's this, is cleanliness to godliness or something? Didn't your grandma say that or something like that? They really believe that. That was part of it. So John was practicing, which led to the forerunner of, of baptism that we do today. It was all part of Mikvahs were the ceremonial cleaning. So John is basically, his job, and, and you look in, further on in, in Luke, it says to make ready a prepare, and prepare for the Lord. John's job was to prepare for Jesus to come. Now we look, here, God would choose this one guy to break the silence to reveal his plan. Look at verse 18. It says this, Zechariah asked the angel, so this, this moment happens, he says, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. Now listen how he's respectful of his wife. My wife is well along in years. Good job, Zach, Zachariah. Good job. You're not calling your lady old, okay? Good, good, good. You know, I mean, it could get back to her, right? I mean, she read it later probably here. His wife, uh, so, so here it says, that, then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have I've sent to speak to you and to tell you of this good news. What's the good news? The good news. The good news of great joy that a Savior will be born. He is Christ the Lord. This is the coming of the Messiah. And this whole encounter, this, this breaking of silence happens here. And then he says this, though. This is what good old Gabriel says in it. Okay, breaking the silence of what's going to happen. And now you, to Zechariah, will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you do not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, appointed time, what was the time? The timing of the Lord, God's timing. It matters to us. The Lord was silent all this time. And I think it's just ironic, and maybe we think it's funny, haha, but not to Zechariah. Here he's the guy. Here is the first divine revelation that the Messiah is coming right now, and the guy that knows it is put on mute. Silent, call it, you could call it a silent disruption. Look at verse 21. So all this happened. He can't talk. It says, meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to him. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them remained, and remained unable to speak. Zechariah's like, I, I need a sign, God. What are you speaking to me? He goes, yeah, that'll be a sign. You're going to have to use sign language for, you know, nine months. You're, and, and, and here Elizabeth is, is, it becomes pregnant. And Mary comes, if you read in Scripture there in Luke 1, she comes and visits. And we'll talk about the Mary next week. But it says, the Bible says the, 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 the baby leaped. John, the, the baby leaped in her. And what was happening is, this, I don't know what you call it, incarnation was just stating. There was this happening, this moment was coming. Guys, the promised one would be born. 
And so John is born. And, and, and we find that you, you read and that, that they all gather together and they're celebrating and they're, they're going, okay, what, you know, are you going to name the child? How about Benjamin? That's a good Jewish name. Or how about Zechariah like his daddy? And what does Zechariah do? He's like, he can't talk and they, they, they're motion. Someone get him something to write with. He needs to write this down. And they get a tablet and he writes down the name John, Johan, God's favorite. The Lord was there, and this, this moment happens. It's, and it's, it's a beautiful thing that takes place. It says immediately his mouth, uh, Zechariah's mouth was open, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God, and all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who, who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Well, we all know it's, it's John the Baptist. He would become the forerunner of the body of Christ. The, the, the silence had broken. God came near, but it came in a very disruptive way, especially to Zechariah. But what happened? There was a transformation of entire community that, through that miracle. There was this a beautiful work that did, this encounter of God Transformed not only Zechariah and his wife, and they had a child, and the beauty of that, but it also transformed this community of believers. The people that were wondering and struggling, God, are you there? Are you will you will you be will you answer us? And God does this miraculous thing. It was very disruptive. In fact, as we look on the Christmas story, it does it gets more disruptive as as time goes on, as as the incarnation of Christ is revealed and all that takes place. And and we know that in the Christmas story, but we also know what happens in the Gospels, and we also know reading on and where the church became very disruptive in the first century and caused a lot of problems that ultimately led to a movement that we are still experiencing today and that we actually, even in our culture we live, that still celebrate Christmas, Christmas that we have. So what does that mean for us? Well, guess what? Christmas is not always cozy and comfy, but it can be transformational because of his presence in our life. So I'm going to leave you some thoughts before we do actually pray this morning as we close. Preparing to encounter his presence this Christmas. And I want to remind us over and over, you probably heard this over and over again, but we need to be reminded because I don't need to remind myself of this, is that God does some of his best work in our waiting, doesn't he? God does the, his best work in our waiting, what the work he's prepared, not, not be 400 years, but it seems like a long time for many of us, but there's a work that he's doing. A few years ago, there was this little young adult prank, and my, my, our niece did this to our uh, Chrissy's mom, and, and texted her during Thanksgiving morning and said, how long do I microwave a turkey? <laughs> did anybody here get that text from a young person? Okay, that's so, okay, boomer, okay, right? And, and so I love this interaction between, a, you know, it looks like a daughter and a mom, and then, you know, uh, you, know you see it at the bottom, you know, do, you know how, how long do I might go quicker? And she goes, don't ever get married at the bottom there. Like, that's hilarious. Like, 
please, you know. Like, no, you know. No. Hey, by the way, you really don't want to try to microwave a turkey, okay? Not the best way. Slow roasting is best. Probably most food we eat, slow roasting is best. Can I tell you that that the good things of a turkey, the goodness of a turkey is it takes time and, and it's cooking. I tell you, the goodness of God, it takes time. It takes time. God is doing good work, but his way is the best way, and it doesn't happen overnight. We want it to, right? But waiting is preparation for the anticipation of what good is going to come in God's timing. So don't forget, four centuries of waiting, Gabriel says, Zechariah, God promise will come true at the appointed time. Not just your baby, but the baby that we born that would change history. So I want to challenge us. And as I say this challenge, this is pointing right back at me. And I could tell you this, and my wife could tell you this about myself, is this. And this might be your challenge. If you live in constant disappointment, it might be because somehow you're still waiting to work on your timeline, not God's. Can I just say that again for myself, Okay. I'm challenged with this. If you and I live in constant disappointment, it might be because somehow you and I are still working off our timeline, not God's. You're like, yes, yes, yes. Can I give you a great example? Is this place that you're in here today. <laughs> Had an interaction with our council this week, and they actually suggested to, to bring it up to you here to give you a little bit of update and that we're going to pray here in a moment. If you're new with us, wanting you know that this building is not the final destination, physical destination of, of CTK North Bay. We have wonderful building plans, just beautiful, beautiful plans that, that are to build on this site next in our parking lot. But we've had a hang up for about a year or so of a, one little driveway that we need a sign off so we can get our building permit. Unfortunately, I can tell you this, is that this coming up soon here, we're forming uh, with our team a lawsuit that we're having to file to petition that so we can get our, our driveway. And I want to pray here in a moment, but I want to give you something that I, I'm grateful for the Lord. You know, when you're praying and you're seeking, you're just say, God, help us, help us, help us. I was getting out of my car at a pastor's prayer gathering. It's an area pastors gathering. We gather a few times a year at the Furs. And it's just a, it was a, it was a warm, actually fall. It was in October. And, and I remember getting out and, and, and one of my friends, one of the pastors of church in Bellingham, he said, hey, Dan, how's it going with your building? I said, well, we're, we're in a legal battle. And so I go into the prayer gathering. We're, you know, maybe 40 or 50 of us around in a circle. And there's a lady who's pastor next to me. And, and I knew her, but I didn't tell her anything about what's going on or our building situation at all. There, she would have no knowledge of anything. And so during the prayer time, here she's right next to me, this whole group of people. She says, Some, one of you here is your church is having to go through a legal battle. I'm like, whoa, I just said those words. She says, it's, it's, it's petty. And that God is going to answer it in his so I believe it for that. Can we believe? Can we have a promise and hope to do that? But will you, will you take, will you pray? Will you pray with me right now about this? Our Father, we come before you and, and we stand in gratefulness for the building that we're in.
Lord, we thank you for the many, many years that this building served. If these walls could talk, oh man, they would talk of transforming lives, older and younger, people that struggled to get off drugs have been freed, marriage has been restored, and most importantly, people that have said yes to you, Jesus. In fact, some people in this very room today. And see, we are so grateful for your work. But Lord, here we are again. We humble ourselves before you. And we ask according to your will and according to your timing, Lord, that we want to continue to follow your, your, your wisdom. We want to follow your ways. That, God, we want to follow your voice and what you're leading us to for the building that we believe, we believe you're speaking to us to deliver, Lord. And so, God, we hold this baby before you and we say, God, in your timing, according to your will, Lord, and God, whatever way of darkness and demonic that's standing in the way of what you want to accomplish through your church, Lord, we come against the enemy in Jesus' name. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against neighbors and owners and, and, and people that are being petitioned, Lord. It is, it is against the enemy of our soul that wants to destroy and kill and destroy, not see transformation. So we stand in the gap in Jesus' name, and we believe for your church, we contend in the faith that, God, you will answer according to your will and according to your timing, and we lay it before you again this morning. We pray as your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks. How about you, though? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I, I love the scripture. It gives me perspective. In 2 Timothy, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. You're waking, waiting on God. God's going, I'm waiting on you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. I don't know what's, what you're needing this Christmas, but ask yourself this question. God, what are you teaching me? What are you showing me? How are you stretching me? How, whatever it is, I'm believing. How about you? It's going to be worth, it's going to be worth the wait in his timing. And in that timing, God does a work in us as he does and wants to do a work through us. So I'm learning this, that God is more, more interested in me being Capture, capturing his heart and experiencing him than whatever he needs to fix in my life. And in time, guess what? There will be a positive outcome. See, being faithful, okay? If you want to experience his presence this Christmas, know this. Being faithful will eventually lead to fulfillment. You know, you think of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth I, I don't are they are they on your mantle at home your your manger scene I don't, I don't think so but they were so intricate in, in the story and I think it reminds us we don't have to be famous we don't have to make the mantle we are not the superstars of it God is doing this work and and he uses this humble couple to be faithful and I just believe it's so true and as much as we maybe find ourselves in need and in lack we're always asking God for more what I what I've discovered is this is that 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 God has already provided in so many different ways. And I just want to celebrate that. I know we had a whole Thanksgiving weekend, but can we keep being thankful for, for God because of, your, of the church here, of the faithful people here, the people that are, that are, that are been giving. You know, we started call, calling a giving season back in September. Some of you heard, hey, we need winter coats, and you brought winter coats. In October, 
we said, we need candy. Bring your candy. And you brought candy for glow stations and berm, you know, berm events and things that we did. And then we said, oh, now it's Thanksgiving and we're doing Thanksgiving baskets for the community. And you brought money and you sent money in for the Thanksgiving baskets. Then we said, oh, it's Christmas time. And so we're doing toy store. And so bring toys, donate toys. And you did. And we filled the bin. Thank you for the ladies. I think it was yesterday that served and helped with the toy store that, that, that we get to participate in. And then the last couple of weekends, we said, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a family. There's a refugee family from Ukraine, 12 of them, and they need some housing. And through just mentioning it, over $1,000 came in. And then last weekend, last weekend was amazing. Our, our, our friend Dwayne got up and shared the, the vision of Hands of Hope and Malawi, Africa and the work that we get to do. And, and the, the great need is, is Malawi is one of the poorest countries in the world. And Area 23, where Hands of Hope does its ministry, is the poorest section of this country. Star, starvation is a huge problem. And we may put this challenge out that we're going to feed, we're going to feed 200 families. And guess what? Over... $2,300 was collected. And on top of that, I get a text message from someone in our church that wants to remain anonymous. I know who they are. I was during the Seahawk game, and they said, hey, uh, we, my wife and I, we're going to match whatever comes in up to $2,500. So think about this. 2300 and some of you might say, I'm going to top that off. We're going to make it an, an, just an easy five grand that's going to come in. And if you do the math, 40, um, I'm sorry, $22 a bag of corn maize. It feeds a family about four or six people. It's a staple in their diet. We'll feed about 225 families that we get to do. So can we give God a hand for that work? What's happening is, we're being faithful. And that's what, that's, what that, that's what Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're just being faithful. They're not trying to be superstars. They're just humbling themselves. They're doing the, the work they're doing. And as, as we are faithful, guess what? God is faithful. I love what Hebrews says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, profess for he who promised is faithful. And his timing and his will, he is faithful. And it brings to the fruition of what he wants to do. But can I warn you as that happens, finally to know this and encountering his presence this Christmas season is to expect disruption, but anticipate transformation. Expect disruption, anticipate transformation. I know you and I, I love to, I love just to have my mornings and my coffee and my coziness and the fire and the tree and all of that. It's a wonderful experience, but that's not really a really true work of Christmas. See, Zechariah, I mean, they... they they probably were content. I mean, they hit an age, right? They hit an age. She, she might have been past the childbearing age. She might have passed, and we see that in, all through Scripture. We're like, they go, this is it. You know, we're not going to have any kids. We'll be great aunties and uncles. We'll, we'll care for other people, but we, God hasn't blessed us with children. That's, that's okay. I'm just going to do my duty. I'm going to go to the temple, and now's my opportunity. Everything's fine with them. Everything's fine until God shows up disrupts their life, changes it completely. Imagine raising John the Baptist. 
<laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy was crazy, right? I mean, the stuff, I mean, I'm sure he was a crazy kid too. I'm mean, eating locusts and wearing, you know, fur and all that. I mean, he, that, he was probably a bit of a wild child, okay? I mean, cousin of Jesus. Like, okay, well, how did that, I wonder what that was like back then and how they had it. But all that to say is this, this great work, all that God was doing, and here this disruption, I mean, God silences him for nine months. Don't you think that's a little harsh, Jesus? I mean, God, you know, like, Lord, why are you doing that? Why are you silencing him? Well, God was at work. He was preparing him. He knew that's what needed to happen. I think, I think we need to remind us in our modern theology, following Jesus doesn't make our life easier. I mean, we want Christmas to be comfy and cozy, but... It so contradicts consumerism it, of, of the true message. It's, it's, it, it, it pushes against the Lord. The Bible says the Lord disciplines those he loves. God is doing a work in us to encounter him, to experience him, and to reveal what he's doing. And it's going to be disruptions. And sometimes there'll be silent disruptions. See, there's things that happen in your life that I know of of you. If, if you knew and I knew, like maybe you've had physical Challenges. Some of you have had the flu and you're sick and you know it and everybody knows it and you're staying away. We're trying to stay away from each other. You have outward disruptions that happen in your life. Some of you, again, rounds of COVID come through. That's all going on. But also there's inward disruptions. For Zechariah, I mean, the issue really was doubt. He doubted, he had some doubt toward God and God was teaching him through this doubt to, to rely upon him. For some of you, it might be some kind of addiction or habitual sin or it might be anger it might be jealousy it might be something within you you don't really want to share it's a silent disruption can I tell you God's speaking to you right now in that disruption God's saying I want to show you a way I want to show you a better way and you might find some discipline in the in the process you might find some humbling that's there that you have to experience but God is bringing that disruption bringing transformation for your life can we believe for that and what happened was this beautiful community, this faith community experienced transformation. It says all the neighbors of, this, of Zechariah and Elizabeth community were filled with awe. And God did this work. They had no idea that their little community would be ushering and bringing the Savior in the world, to the world. That it would, it would grow into this incredible movement that we are already experiencing today. And it would be a threat. And it would be a disruption. It always is. Christ and what he does disrupts things for what he wants to do is to bring transformation in our lives. You see, this disruption was an unexpected gift because it, it brought people into place. It brought Zechariah in a place of desperation. And I think for us as well, you and I, we don't need any more presents. Okay, we've got enough socks, thank you much. We got enough, we don't need whatever is coming out. We don't need the brown truck to circle around and be then stuck it's wrapped in a tree. We, we're done, we're old enough to go, we don't need it. But what we need is the presence of God. And not only do we need the presence of God, our community needs to experience the presence of God. Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? Amen. The people in our community need it. And I want to challenge us as we go, to, go into prayer here and pr prepare ourselves for this season that there, this divine invasion of the spirit of Christmas would bring a holy disruption to our holiday season. That people would find themselves, you know, in a place maybe of depression, maybe in a place of anxiety, maybe in a place of dysfunction in their life or consumption of, of substances and things and consumer of so much that they're feeling so empty that what they truly need is the very presence 
the spirit of Christmas, the Holy Spirit in their life. And I want to challenge us uh, with this thought as we go and get ready for this, is this, to encounter this Christmas is to be present, to be present. I want to challenge us all this season to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and also have the courage to be able to see people in their eyes and where they're at and the people that you're with that you will put down the phone, you shut off the screen, you shut off the remote, and you will look in the people that God has brought you to love them and to care for them. Your neighbor, your coworker, your kids, whoever, your parents, whoever they might be, and you would, you would have face-to-face encounter with them because you as a follower of Jesus have the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Christ in you, the Emmanuel God within you to be able to share that very presence, be a carrier of his presence. To them. I want to challenge as our team, as our team comes up to close, to be present in prayer. And so what we're going to do on your chairs, if you don't mind, you're probably sitting out, you don't know this, but there's a, a little paper ornament. And, and you could grab that. It might be a little tree. It might be, you know, a little ornament or something like this. It kind of looks like this. And there's pins around you. You should, if you received a program today, a pin. And what we're going to do, and take a moment, this is our activity. Right now, we're going to think about this. I want you to think about, as a prayer, what would you put as a prayer on here today? It might be one word. It might be a name of someone that uh, there's a burden of prayer. It might be your own name. But to be present in prayer in this moment, so go ahead and write that right now. Well, what might that be? And as we go to prayer in a moment, think about it. God, what is it? What is a burden? Maybe, you know, you're not, maybe there is people I know they are trying to have children and, and, the, and, and they're, they're in the process of that. It might be that. I, Lord, we want a baby. Lord, we, maybe you have a, you're, a, there's a burden you're carrying. It's your baby that you need to give to the Lord. And it, it's, it's a stress issue. It's a problem, whatever it might be. But maybe there's a name. Because in this room, as the, there's a few empty chairs because there's people that need to be here that you're going, oh, I haven't seen them for a while. I want to put their name down. It might be even your own kid. Come oh, man, Lord, I, I tried to raise them to follow you, but they don't seem to be following you right now. Could, you could lift their, their names up. Maybe you could put multiple names. There's multiple, multiple ornaments. Who, who might be? We're going we're gonna to write that name right now. We're going to write down that need, whatever it might be. We're going to pray over them. But not only are we going to pray over them, on the way out, I'm going to invite you to put it in the basket, and it's going to be hung in that back tree. And there's a, there's a group, small group that gathers here on Thursday evenings for intercessory prayer. In fact, if you're a person that just really is burdened to pray, God, we need to, if you ever said to yourself, we need to pray more, well, then you need to come Thursday because that's where prayer is happening. Intercessory prayer, not for yourselves, but for the people on behalf of this church and this community. But our team's going to be praying over these throughout the holiday season. And in fact, you could walk by each Sunday and look at it and go, man, I'm going to be praying for these needs. So what what might it be? Who might that be? Well, let's pray right now. Will you bow with me? Lord, we might be holding this ornament and we might have wrote a name on or we will write a name on it or we'll write a need that we have. But Lord, we give it to you. Just as it goes in the basket and it gets hung on the tree, we're basically putting it upon you. In fact, we go from one tree to the next tree. We, we go from the Christmas tree to the, the cross, Lord. We lay, we lay our needs at the foot of the cross. 
And we say, Jesus, take it. Lord, you not only came to give us life, but you came and died for our sins so that we can experience eternal life. Lord, you came in the incarnation to, to show us the way, but then you made a way through your forgiveness and through your sacrifice that you did for us, to die for us and then be raised to life for us, Lord. So you did it all already, and we just look backwards now. And God, all that has been fulfilled but yet there's much more to be fulfilled that you want to do in our lifetime and even use our lives to do it. And God, I, I'm, I, am, I would be quick to miss the fact that there's some legitimate needs in this room today. We can, we, in fact, we can't even write them all on the ornament. And so we lay them before you and say, Jesus, work and move. And, 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 and in that, Lord, may we not miss you this season. May we recognize what we need more than gifts and presents. We need the presence of the Lord Jesus. We need the spirit of Christmas to fill us, Lord, once again. Your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we pray for that. We pray for that. That would happen not only in our lives, but the people that will God we will encounter, that we will interact with, that, that we will, will be reaching out to, Lord. They might not sense, oh, that's God they're sensing, but they will sense something different about us because it's you, your presence in us. But Lord, may we not miss it ourselves, that we would then eventually be the carriers, Lord. And so we lift these needs. We lift people that we know. And we're believing what you can do and only you can do this Christmas, this work that you have. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. What I'm going to ask you to do, if you're not done writing, go ahead during this last song. Just stay where you're at, seated. Once you've written it down, you can stand. And then we're going to close in this final song together. And then on the way out, you can drop those off. But if you're ready to stand now, you can as we close this song. If you need prayer for anything, we're here and available. Have a great day and a great Christmas week here. God bless you.